Welcome to a brand new episode of Reality Breached. Um, my name, my, oh, hello. I'm sorry. No, you're good. You're good. My name is Sergio. I'm your host. Uh, on the other end uh, is Jordy and his dog. Yes, who's so loud. I apologize, but uh, that's Bentley. Beano, Bentley? Mr. Okay. Bean. He has a thousand names. Cool, cool. Uh, well, Three, a thousand is all the same. Jordy, you've you've returned yet again for the fourth time this year. Yes, on this series, I've uh, I've been I was thinking about this. I've been a little active on a reality breach. That's true. That's true. Well, this is the 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 fourth time we've we've touched on uh, episode one hundred and forty. I split this up into four episodes, and and uh, the beginning of the year, I, I I. of course, I created this goal to watch 365 movies in the year of our Lord, 2021, right? Yes. It is, as of today, November 24th, I, Sergio Lugo, have finished 365 movies. And I finished them last week, so so actually it was like 11.13 that I finished, 11.20, or I don't know, 11.14, somewhere around there. And it feels good. It feels good to have it out of my system. That is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's, what's so cool about it is that you, you stuck with it. And there were some bad movies up to this point, and there are some bad movies on this list right now. But <laughs> Yeah, there is. But you, uh, you kept it up the whole time. That yeah. did not come out right. But, hey, good for <laughs> you keeping it up the whole time. <laughs> It's all about it's all about keeping a routine. And that's what it is. Uh, no, seriously, like it, it got to the point to where I had conditioned myself to, to to watch a movie every day when I got off work. Right. And then the day after I finished movie 365, I was like, shit, what did I used to do before I had to watch movies? I've, I, I forgot how my evenings went. So so yeah. now now I'm having to break myself of watching a movie every day, which I guess isn't a, a bad thing. But uh, I, I have a DVR that's full of television shows I have to dig through now. And see, that's cool that you stayed, you know, stayed focused mm-hmm. on this when when so much other stuff was out. And it's easy to, like, fall down a YouTube rabbit hole or, um, you know, <laughs> your team won the World Series this year. So. <laughs> It's true. Like it was it was kind of tough. I totally would have finished this three weeks earlier had the Braves not made the playoffs. For real? Yeah. Yeah, because I, I watched pretty much every game of the playoffs, and those games are three hours long at least. So, Thanks. yeah, I would have finished probably 15 days sooner. That's awesome. Wow. Uh, well, so I, I have my list. Uh, okay. For, for for the last chunk of these, the last quarter of them, uh, or movies 274 through 365. And this is in this section, I did take a lot of uh, suggestions because I, I kind of burned through most of what I wanted to watch 
Um, and I'm, you know, with this, I was also approaching the, the, the Halloween season. So I was like, why not watch some horror movies? I'm not a horror movie guy. Uh, and, and so you were nice enough to send me a list of, I'm not going to say good horror movies, uh-huh. <laughs> but they were horror movies. The, and, that's the thing. And we'll get to this when we talk about certain movies. I, I really like that genre so much mm-hmm. because it's like, I mean, you might have something crazy and crazy in a good way or crazy in a, this is horrible way, or it doesn't age well, or it's, you know, terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, or what were they thinking? But it's, it's, I don't know. I like that they take risk in horror movies. They do. They do. And in and, and the ones that you sent me, I, I, I'm starting to understand your taste in music, not in music, in, in, in movies. Yes. Because <laughs> none, none of them were tr- like traditional jump scare garbage. Oh, no, I uh, I don't like that. Um, and I know this sounds gatekeeper-ish, but um, <laughs> a lot of horror fans, like real horror fans, but no, a lot of horror fans don't really like that because, like, that's it's that's like a cheap scare. Like, of course, if you're in a quiet theater and then there's a super loud noise, that's going to that's going to make your your body jolt. But that doesn't mean it's scary. Right, right. It, it, it just took advantage of your, you know, your physical state. It's it's yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, But we have a lot of movies to go through before we get to any of those. Let's do it. Uh, so let's start from the top. Um, I don't want to talk about I'm thinking of ending things. Here's what I'll say about that. OK, that is a horror movie. Uh, when I first heard about that, I heard Charlie Kaufman is going to make a horror movie. Mm-hmm. And I was really interested. Uh, Edgar Wright made a horror movie this year, too. And you're automatically interested when a really good director or good writer, um, especially me, like as a horror fanatic, I like when someone steps outside because you don't know. You knew it would be different, but um, it's it's a weird movie. Yeah, yeah. Like. My my wife has this saying that she says when she watches a movie that she does she doesn't get. She says, "I don't know if I'm smart enough for that movie," and I don't know if if I'm smart enough for that movie. Yeah, but I don't know. Einstein, Al, Al, Alfred Einstein, Albert's brother, um, he said something along the lines of, "You know, if you can't explain it to a young person, you don't un- fully understand it." So. I don't I don't know if I subscribe to that. I, 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 some of these like really techie movies mm-hmm. that I kind of get lost in and some that have multiple twists and turns. And it's like, OK, um, are you trying to trick us? Because the whole point is for us to like this. Are, do you want me to feel stupid? And listen, I felt stupid after watching that movie, too. So, yeah, yeah. I was like, this is the, I, I did not enjoy a minute of that movie, I don't think so. Let, let's let's talk about a movie I did really really enjoy. Okay. Rear Window. Oh yeah. Okay. See that is um that is a movie that's a good example like it's um another thriller, but it's it's directed so well and it it is like kind of catered to the audience. You get to you get to like live through what the main character is doing, and mm-hmm. I think that's good for an audience. I'm sorry to take over this but that's a no good you're, you're 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 absolutely right like the, the the set design and 
how that uh, movie is shot is unlike anything I've ever seen before. Yeah, it's it's so good. And um, the acting is really uh, I mean, yeah, it's easy to parody. The first time I saw this was in that Simpsons episode where they got the pool. (laughs) (laughs) So I I didn't get any of the references, but um, the acting like Jimmy Stewart's good in it. I mean, he's good in all of his Hitchcock stuff. And yeah, yeah, yeah. He is. Raymond like, Burr is good as the bad guy. Oh yeah, yeah. Like like, I like Jimmy Stewart. The more the more I watch of him, but he, he is starting to turn into this 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 actor that is just Jimmy. He plays Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. Um. He he was like the original The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> that is a terrible. I'm trying to think of somebody that always plays himself. I, I actually, I just had this this conversation with a uh, with uh, my buddy Jeff. Um, Paul Rudd. Yeah. Yeah. Like he just plays Paul Rudd. So, but but no, that like that was a fascinating movie. Like the, the just the way it was put together, the way it was shot, the, the like the the way there were no reveals until the very end. Like the 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 audience didn't know, just like. Yes. The characters didn't know, so that was fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, I, he really um, Hitchcock really was uh, a great director, I think. And I mean, like that's not shouting news, but <laughs> but I mean, he, he he was really good. Like it's almost like he directed what you were watching. Like he he was taking you on the ride. He was like a master at at uh, at putting you one way. Like, you know, okay, he's like Jimmy Stewart's not right in this. Like, he he's way off base. And then, well, maybe he's not. Mm-hmm. Well, no, maybe he is. That That's, yeah. And mm-hmm. it's cool. Like, it, that give and take is awesome. Yeah, yeah. You really don't get that a lot anymore, honestly. No, no. Like, nowadays, it's very uh, popular to hold the, the audience's hand. Yeah, and it's it's that and the twisting in the movies, the twist, you know, it's um, a lot of his movies have twist, but it's getting to that twist and the twist actually making sense in his movies. I, I just think he's a master, oh, yeah. probably one yeah. the, the greatest ever, honestly. Uh, well, kind of an asshole, though, from what I've heard. Yeah, well. It's kind of kind of comes with being a genius, right? Yeah. Okay, so let's. I want to talk about Arrival. Okay. Have Have you seen Arrival? I have. This like this movie fucked me up. Okay. Like the the end of the movie came and I was just crying, just uncontrollably crying. So so explain. Well, I don't know if you want to get into spoilers, but. Whatever. I mean, the, the I movie's this six, is one of those seven, movies that I think is too smart for me. So. No, like basically Amy Adams is his character. Oh, God, it's been, what, three months since I watched this? Um, She's a linguist. She's a linguist and she's communicating with aliens and the aliens give her the like the the the, the secret to something. And, and basically what it. What it ends up being is she knew her child had cancer. Yeah. Or she knew that her child was going to develop cancer and die, but went through with it anyway to basically 
to have time with her child. And then Jeremy Renner, who plays her husband in the movie, finds out that, you know, finds out that she, you know, can see both forward and backwards in time and that she knew this was going to happen and forced him to go through it with her. So he leaves her like it. The movie masks itself as this high concept sci fi shit and turns into like uh it, it's a it's a mental fuck show man like it, it it really messed with my head in like in, in a way that something like interstellar did yeah and that's uh yeah that's Denis Villeneuve so he's he's kind of like uh, probably the big auteur right now that's true he also did the the new dune right yes which we'll get to yes we will um but no no it's it I, the end i didn't see coming as i said it 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 hides itself inside of the sci-fi genre so well that the heavy emotional ending really just kicks you in the dick. And so, you know, that should I, I, be on the uh, movie poster. <laughs> it kicks you in the dick. Yeah, like I know we just kind of spoiled it for everyone, but if for some reason you didn't understand anything I just said, just watch it. Trust me. And I will say I like that the aliens are alien in that movie. You know, they they're not like humanoid. Yeah, yeah. They they um and I know a lot of people complained about that, but I, I thought that was a pretty good choice. Oh yeah, yeah. And Amy Adams is amazing in it. Yeah, she's she's good in just about everything. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Stephen King's It. Okay, is that from the 90s? Yes. Okay, let's talk about that one. Seth, uh, Seth Green vehicle. Seth, <laughs> Seth Green is sneakily in everything. Yes. Like, I was watching uh, X-Files a few years ago, and he's, he's, he sneaks into an early episode of, uh, of the X-Files. And I'm not sure if Idle Hands is on here. He was a big part in Idle Hands. He was good in that. Uh, I watched Idle Hands earlier this year. Okay. Yeah, uh... The, it he was, he was is Seth Green in that, is what I'll say. I was he was good. He was Seth Green. He was he was Seth Green. Yeah. Uh, okay. So this one. Technically a miniseries that yes. has since been released as a movie. And boy, can you tell when the commercial breaks are coming? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, but the like the runtime is very long. It's a very it's very long. Yes. But it. It needs that that length. I don't, like, I don't know anything about the book, but it needs that length to flesh out basically two full stories when the characters are children and when the characters are adults. So, yes. and and I, I like that they did that. It's um an eleven hundred page book, ooh. so you cannot do that in four hours. I would argue, like it's very difficult. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of uh, history with Pennywise. And it doesn't even get to the weird stuff in the movie. Really? Um, oh yeah, no, it gets it gets weird, like comic book Doctor Strange weird. Oh wow. Yeah. That's cool. Um, I liked this way better than I thought I would, considering it's you know su- a super old made for TV movie. Like yeah. the, 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 there's a lot of adjectives there that just kind of turn me off. But, but it's kind of like some charm too, like John Ritter really in it and. Uh, uh, oh gosh, what's his name? Uh, the guy from Night Court. 
Perry. Oh uh, yeah, Judge Reinhold. No. <laughs> no, it's not Judge Reinhold. <laughs> Who's that guy? Famous judges for five hundred, Alex. <laughs> Answer is always Judge Reinhold, but um, no, what is his name? That's a good question. Harry Anderson. There you go. From Night Court. <laughs> but I mean, like, it would be almost. I'm not gonna say John John Ritter's good, um, but I mean, it would be hard. Like the ensemble is, I think, pretty strong. The kids are good together, and then the adults are pretty good together. Yeah, it's it's two different ensembles. Yes. That work really well, and that that is like lightning in a bottle. Like, it's very tough. And I think they uh they really screwed up on casting a uh, uh, Bill. I did not think he was uh, uh the adult Bill. Uh, Jonathan Brandis was the young Bill. Um, he was. I will, these... I'll agree. I'll agree. Yeah. Um. But Seth Green, I could see him turning into Harry Anderson. <laughs> I mean, they look nothing alike, but whatever. And I, I don't know if I've said this before on specifically these these casts, because we talk, we might have talked about her earlier in the year. But I love Annette O'Toole. Dude, I don't think we have, but I do as well. <laughs> I, I don't know I, what it is about her. I just like her and uh, everything. She, she seems like a cool person. She's a... Uh, God, who's she married to? I'm looking her up now. She's married to Michael McKean from Spinal Tap. Oh, wow. No, that's awesome. Yeah, it's so cool. Like, she's just a, she seems to be like a cool lady. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, um, yeah, I like the ensemble aspect of this. Uh, Tim, and listen, controversial opinion time. Tim Curry is okay as Pennywise. Really? He's okay. I mean, I think Bill Skarsgård is better. I'll I'll probably give you that. Um, uh, but what I guess what I was prepared to say about I remember Tim Curry. watching that as a kid, and I was thinking, oh, he's funny. It's, that's the funny clown movie because. <laughs> but I guess that was kind of the point was to, uh, you know, to to get the children to him. But I don't know, man. Like. I, I guess what 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 I had prepared to say about Tim Curry was I don't like him as much as Skarsgård, but given the setting, I think he overperformed for the the task given to him. Because yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah, because because again, TV show, ensemble cast. You know, it, yes, it had a big budget for a TV show, but a low budget for a movie. Well, and, and see, the thing is, now this would be like an HBO miniseries yeah. with some huge budget, and everybody would be an A-list, A-list or B-list actor um, and have like a movie budget, multi, multiple movie budget behind it. But um, it is, it's cool that they got all of those people and got Tim Curry to be a clown. Cool, like, to be fair, Tim Curry is kind of a clown. Yeah. And I mean that in the most endearing way possible. Yeah, um, yeah, he's, yeah, he, I mean, he's awesome, too. Yeah, the, one of my regrets this year is not actually finishing, uh, not actually watching uh, It Part 2, uh, the new one, because I've seen the first of the reboot, and I really enjoyed that. That's why I watched the original, and after watching the original, I understand why they split it into two movies, 
because yeah. they were they were able to make it longer, get you know deeper into the character stuff. Uh, I haven't heard very good things about that second part, and the damn thing is almost three hours long. Yeah, dude, it's uh, it's no, it's not good. <laughs> it's um, it's it's really well. I'm not gonna say it's not good. It's um, it's disappointing. It's so disappointing because I thought the first one was good, but honestly, I think it. I think the best part about it is the uh, the young people, like when they're younger and they're forming the losers club, mm-hmm. and um, they're being bullied, and they're. Uh, and by the way, they're fighting this cosmic being too. Like I think that's cool, and I like yeah. that they come back um, thirty years or twenty eight years later. But it's I don't know. <laughs> they I don't know. Uh, I think it's definitely the weaker of the series. Maybe. And they had all the big actors, the yeah. the name actors they for the adults, but it still didn't. Um, I I don't know. I don't know what you think of that, but. Well, uh, let's see. What Do you see anything here at the top of this list that you want to talk about? Let's see. Uh, Labyrinth. Labyrinth. So I had never seen Labyrinth. It's been like 20 years or maybe maybe 37. I might have seen it when I was a baby. But. <laughs> uh, and I guess to completely qualify this, I also watched The Dark Crystal this year, which was earlier in the year. And I think we talked about it. Yes. Of those two movies, Labyrinth is by far the better, the better of the two. And I don't know. I, it it just seems like yet another Jim Henson drug trip. Mm-hmm. And I, I can see how it has, you know, like like a like a cult following and, and, and people really liking uh, David Bowie as what the Goblin King, I think is his, his yeah. name in that movie. Yeah. Um. For sure, and Jennifer Connelly, or, or is she in this one? Yes, Jennifer Connelly does no wrong, yeah. ever. In any film that she's in, Jennifer Connelly, Con- Connelly is perfect. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, maybe this is just one of those movies you can't go back to, because I, I didn't really dig it, and that kind of sucks. Okay, so speaking of a movie that is... Uh... That you might not want to go back to, <laughs> but for a completely different reason. What about uh, Fruitvale Station? Oh, Fruitvale Station is like I see that as as what's his name's coming out party. Mm-hmm. Michael Michael B. Jordan's coming out party. And props to Michael B. Jordan for having one of the most popular names in the world and still making a name for himself. <laughs> Whatever B stands for, he could have gone by. Yes. He, he didn't have to go by Michael Jordan. <laughs> uh, Fruitvale Station is fantastically shot and directed. Uh, I didn't realize it was based on a true thing until about three-fourths of the way through. Oh, okay. And and then when I realized, oh, shit, this is based on real life, this guy's fucked, isn't he? It got real, real sad real fast. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, you said it's Michael B. Jordan's uh, coming out party. I'm, I'm trying to remember his name. Um, I can't believe I'm blanking on the. Uh, the director? The director. Oh, the director. Ryan Coogler. Yeah, Ryan Coogler directed like 
uh, Black Panther. Oh yeah, yeah. This was also his coming out party. Like, it's it's a fantastic film. Um, I, I hate that it had to be made. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 one of those movies that you show to people to kind of. I don't want to say it's an educational film. Like, I guess it, there is an educational value to it, but it, it's kind of a level set. Yeah. You know, you know, like, like I, I'd be fine with my children watching it so they understand certain things. You know. Yeah. No, Even though sure. it is a tragic movie. It is, and I think it's a little heavy-handed. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it's, I, it's, I'm not, I'm not gonna say it's his first movie, but it's his first like studio movie. Yeah. Pretty yeah, pretty big coming out party for him, honestly. Yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, your movie's so good. We're going to give you both Rocky and Black Panther as your next yeah. two movies. With Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Okay, I'm really uh, interested in this. I'm sorry to keep going right in order, but no, Ratchet and Clank. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing. I mean, I knew the game, but. Yeah. So a few years ago, Sony decided we have all these properties on these, these you know, these video game platforms that and we also own a movie studio. Why don't we try to make some films? And they made Ratchet and Clank. It's funny. It's got some, you know, really quality humor in it, but it is pretty much a paint by numbers kid story. Okay. Um, but it does, but it does live up to the standards set by the games. Like the games are very funny. The characters are very, uh, very big and very. It's just exciting and cool. Uh, but if you don't know the characters or the games, I wouldn't suggest watching it unless you're a kid, and you're not a kid. Yeah, I am not watching that. <laughs> and and the, the, it didn't do very well, so they canceled all of the other, you know, things that they had in the hopper. There was supposed to be a Sly Cooper movie as well. Well, you know, everybody always wonders, like, why why do they keep um, rebooting, like, Halloween and Ghostbusters and um, other famous movies? Like, why do they – other series? Why do they do that? It's because the, the, the name brand, it really is. And I think it's a good example with Ratchet and Clank. It just has no name recognition with mm-hmm. uh, younger people, and um, th- there's just no connection. Yeah, like the thing is, is Ratchet and Clank has been a successful game franchise for about 20 years now, and they released a brand new game this year that was a huge hit. So it's not like they're completely invisible characters. I guess there's just it just doesn't translate to the big screen. Yeah, and um, you know, you mentioned Sony Studios. That's usually a bad sign. <laughs> It's just full of product placement. Um, I think we're going to talk about one of the product placement movies later. I don't know if it's on here, actually. We might. We might. Okay. Uh, I want to talk about the Andromeda strain. Yes. That was a blast from the past. Dude. Like, I, I, I probably shouldn't have watched the Andromeda strain during COVID. No, that's like watching the stand during COVID. It's the best time to do it. Like, there's just so many vaguely disturbing things throughout the film. And, like, you see what's coming. You Like, they, they telegraph exactly where the story's going. 
but it's still like like that that scene where they kill the monkey, but yeah. they don't actually kill the monkey. Like I I I had to go like as soon as they did the monkey scene, I had to Google it. I was like, did they actually kill a fucking monkey? Because that was the most convincing looking suffocation of a primate I've ever seen in my life. Not that I've seen a lot of those, but I was taken aback. Yeah. So, I mean, good effective filmmaking. Uh, honestly, this one's probably a 20 year difference from when I've seen it. But um, I thought it was going to be just one of these cheesy 70s movies. And it was, I mean, really well uh, acted, directed, I thought, uh, well paced. Mm-hmm. If I, I can't remember, I thought it was like um, a longer movie, but it, it was paced pretty well. I'm looking at the runtime, but I don't know if pacing is the right word. Okay. Because there's literally no action in it. It's just slow scene followed by slow scene, then some scientific jargon, and then some some out of date computer screens, and then some more scientific jar- jargon, and then three more slow scenes. So I guess the pacing is consistent. Yeah. But. You're not going to that movie to be entertained. You're going to that movie to be miserable on purpose. Well, and gosh, I'm looking at this. I want to make sure I'm right on this. Uh, Did Michael Crichton write this? I think he did. Okay. So written by a um, Harvard-educated doctor, someone that you're like, oh, this is really going to happen. This is Mm -hmm. released in the early 70s, so – I. Yeah, I haven't heard a lot of like hysteria or anything about this, but I wonder what the reaction was like when it came out. I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it of the movies on on this list, this one affected me not the most, but it was definitely one of them that affected me the most. Just because it's two and a half hours of uneasy. So I don't know. I don't know. I really liked it. Even though I probably shouldn't. <laughs> Would you watch it again? Um, probably. Okay. Probably. Uh, oh, let's, let's see. What do you want to talk about next? Uh, what do you think of Ed Wood? I loved Ed Wood. Dude, me too. <laughs> like, I don't know why it took me so long to watch Ed Wood. Because I love... Um, uh, what's his name? Johnny Depp. I, well, yeah, I do love Johnny Depp, but I but I but I love um, Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. Johnny Depp is great in it. Uh, yeah. I knew that it was based on a real person, but I didn't know anything about that person. So watching it and realizing how it lines up with you know <laughs> like actual Hollywood and uh, finding out that what what what's the big movie that Ed Wood did? Plan uh, Nine. Plan Nine, like. I added is, Plan that's 9. That's a big movie like uh, the big movie Tommy Wiseau did. Right. Yeah. Like, I I added Plan Plan 9 to my list to watch. I just never got around to it uh, because of how fascinating <laughs> they made the production of it seem in Ed Wood. Yeah, and I, I love that. I, I like movies that um are about making of movies, you know. Like the whole process of it, especially the worse the movie, the better. Like I like the disaster artists pretty much for that same reason. 
I was about to ask you if, if you've seen The Disaster Artist. <laughs> yeah, um, and I, I really enjoyed it just because you get to kind of see a, a dramaticized behind the scenes. And you get to see, like, is, I mean, Ed Wood was really kind of crazy and, um, or, you know, had uh, mental issues and suffered from, like, alcoholism and things like that um, and never really got big. So I, it's just, I would wonder what he would think. Like, Tommy Wiseau got to see a big actor portray him in a major motion picture. But I think that that would just be, I think that would blow the real Edwards mind and Bella Lugosi. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like it's crazy. Like he really died very poor and that's, I don't know. It was, that wasn't that long ago. You know I mean? I know it was probably like 70 years, but like he was a, he is still on t-shirts today. He's still being marketed to people. And um, I don't know. I'm going off on a rant here, but I just think it's, it's crazy how uh, I, I just like seeing the little guy do something. Yeah, yeah. But I, I liked it. And you could tell that uh, Tim Burton got a lot of inspiration from it. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I always tell people The Room is one of my favorite movies. It's like, definitely one of my favorite movies. It's I have so much fun with it. And I know a lot of people kind of felt the same way about Plan 9. Yeah, I, I need to watch that. I, I, I need to. So I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Cool. Um, let's see. All right, let's talk about the big movie of 2020. I'm sorry, but Tenet. I, yes, I was actually going to say Tenet. Okay, cool. So well, I went back in time to before you were going to say it, and then I guess. <laughs> uh, so <clears throat> Chris Nolan. I, I he's secretly one of my favorite filmmakers as up his own ass as these is all of his movies are they're like they're digestible enough that I really dig them. Yeah, for sure. Um, those are movies that are uh, presented really smartly, like, oh, you've got to be really smart, but we're also going to explain it to you. Yeah, yeah. But. Uh, they can get a little complicated. <laughs> like the Dark Knight gets complicated, and In, Inception uh, is uh, way more complicated than it really needs to be. Yeah, Inception's a great example. Uh, his first movie, Following, um, you would think simple premise, um, and what the one he did with Guy uh, uh, Guy Pierce. About oh, the, Memento. I love Memento. Memento. I do too, but it, it you know. I don't know. It takes a couple of watches to kind of get it. Yeah. And Tenet does a, it, it much like Inception before it and even Interstellar. Nolan does not focus on how things work. He just puts it in motion and says, this is how the world works in this story. You're either on board for this or you're not. And I love that he doesn't waste time explaining shit. Yeah, he that just... um, and, and I, I'll be honest, I saw Tenant and I cannot remember it. I, I will, like, 
I went in very skeptic, like very skeptical because a lot of people said, oh, it's his worst film so far or it was too confusing. I don't know what the fuck's, fuck's going on. It's really not that confusing. Like once you understand that things can be imbued with basically traveling through time backwards, yeah. the rest of the movie makes like once you once your mind can wrap around that, the rest of the movie makes sense. It's just a matter of execution. And that final battle where half the guys are moving forward and half the guys are moving backwards and they're still interacting with each other and explosions are happening in reverse. Like you don't have to understand what is happening with every single interaction there. You just need to know like a, a, a bird's eye view of the of how this works. And I really, really liked it. I don't know if I liked it as much as Inception, Interstellar, or or even The Prestige, but I did really, really, really like it. I might have to watch it again. <laughs> I don't know if I like um, Denzel Washington's kid. Yeah. I, I didn't realize that was him, honestly. Yeah, jo- John David Washington. Um, I like that he didn't have a name. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Not that that's necessary, yeah. you know, he doesn't have to have a name, but also him not having a name is weirder than him having one. Uh, he's, he's the protagonist. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I don't know. I really liked it. Um, I, I hate that it got so much weird press because of the, of COVID. Yeah. Because it got so much press about Nolan wanting it to be released in theaters and not letting it go to streaming and then it being released to theaters and flopping because there was no one going to theaters. Like if he had just shut up about it and, you know, let the studio do do to it whatever they wanted to, I think it would have been better, better received. And we'll see what uh, happens in the future with him, because I don't know how likely a studio would be to get behind him, you know, and give him that much control. Cause it, I thought it was kind of crazy too, because, um, you know, Disney was saying, you know what, we're releasing this online and Warner brothers don't care. Like mortal Kombat would have been a great movie to watch in the theater. Uh, and it probably would have made more money in the theater. And they still said, Nope, we're putting it on HBO max. Yep. So, uh, but Christopher Nolan had a had enough clout that he could say no, we're not doing that. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know. I don't know. He, at some point he's gonna have to bite the bullet and and release his stuff to streaming. Like look at look at uh, even Scorsese. Yeah. His most recent was directed direct to Netflix. Yeah. Sa- same thing with um. Mank. What? Who did Mank? Oh my goodness, David Fincher. Yeah, David Fincher. Like Mank was directly to Netflix, so that's where it's going. Yeah, there are some like I could see him not doing that, and Ridley Scott not. Ridley um, Scott doesn't have to do a damn thing. He's like ninety-seven years old. Yeah, he'll be dead before he has to make that decision. But he's still making movies. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Shit, he made two this year. Yeah. That I think are going to be both decent. <laughs> Yeah. Hmm. All right. Let's see. What do you want to talk about next? I don't know what Vacation Friends is. Uh, Vacation Friends is not amazing. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. But 
but it's really funny. Uh, it's 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 got um, John Cena in it. It's got you know who Lil Rel is. Oh yeah, and uh, Kate uh, Kate Hudson. No. Okay. Never mind. No. No, it's it's some other basically faceless white white woman. Her name is Meredith Hagner. Oh, she looks like Kate Hudson. Yeah. Though. Yeah, and and it's basically a black couple who meets a white couple on vacation, and the white couple is out of their fucking mind. Like everything is over the top, and you know, they're, it's like, hey, we're on vacation. Let's get hammered. Let's then do some coke. Oh man, let's do opiates. Like they just they keep you know raising the bar, and then when the vacation is over, the the black couple goes back to where you know where they're from and their vacation friends don't realize that they were just that vacation friends. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's a wedding and everything goes sideways and it, it's like, it's a fun movie uh, and they are making a sequel. I just don't know. I don't know if I would call it good. You know, you, you either got to like the people in it. You got to like the people in it to enjoy it basically. Okay. Um, I don't know about that one. <laughs> I don't know if I watch it. I'm I'm still not sold on Cena, honestly. He was good in the Suicide Squad. Yeah, I'm I'm not huge on him, but I like him better than than Bautista. So yeah. So there's that. All right. Uh, I watched the coal miner's daughter. Okay, I was think it was between that one and the one after it. I was thinking like, which one should I talk about? Okay, coal miner's daughter. That's a blast from the past. Yeah, so Coal Miner's Daughter, again, another movie I didn't realize was based on real life. Really? Okay. Yeah, I just thought it was a movie about a coal miner's daughter. I was like, why the fuck are we writing a movie about this? But, uh, oh, what's his name? What's his name is a great in it. Um, shit. Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Tommy Lee Jones is great in that movie. Sissy Spacek is great in that movie. Yeah, she she really is. Uh, and like coming out of this movie, like understanding more about Loretta Lynn, you know, she's not just some country singer with a face, you know, it's like, it's like, okay, okay. She comes from somewhere and it really does a great job of showing you what like the coal mines or like coal country was in what the sixties or what was it? When is this set? Like the, I can't even remember when this movie is set. Um, is it in the 40s? It's, I think it might be the 40s, yeah. Because it, it came out in the 80s. I think it changed a lot from the uh, 40s to the 60s. It's, you're probably right. Yeah. 20s. Yeah, 1945. So, it, like, it really showed you, like, these fuckers were just kind of stranded next to the coal mine. And that's that was their entire life. And just seeing how it's, you know, it's a story of Loretta Lynn lifting herself out of... Th- that that culture and becoming you know the, the Loretta Lynn that we all know is kind of cool. It's again, it's crazy to think that I didn't know it was a biopic until like halfway through. Well, yeah, because you know now it would just be called Loretta. That's true. Because <laughs> people have to know everything about a movie before they go watch it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I. Everything in me tells me I shouldn't like the coal miners or coal miners star, but I liked it. You know, it's it's not my kind of movie, but I enjoyed it anyway. 
Okay, and the one you saw right after that, I'm very interested in too. Uh, the Life Aquatic with Steve Zizu. Z- 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 has that is that he's in that? Zizu. Zizu. <laughs> I guess. So. Now I haven't seen this since it came out, and when I saw it, I thought it was amazing and funny, but I don't know how it's aged. It's excellent. It's 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 definitely funny. Um, and, and as always, Wes Anderson has the best cast he, you know, you can throw money at. Yeah. Good style too. Yeah. Yeah. It it feels exactly like a Wes Anderson movie, but I don't know if I like Bill Murray in this role or like I I used to like Bill Murray, like in the, in the eighties and nineties when it was just, he was just a straight like comedy guy. Yeah. Um, that, of course, I, I didn't like him in Ghostbusters. I've never liked him in Ghostbusters, but I don't know if I liked him in this film. He's too much. He's too much Bill Murray, and not enough Steve Zissou. Yeah, and I remember um, one thing that I loved the most about it was the supporting cast. Oh yeah, the supporting cast is great. Owen Wilson is great. Yeah, and um, uh, Will uh, Willem Dafoe. <laughs> uh huh. Goldblum. Goldblum's in this. Oh my! I forgot that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um yeah, I, I agree with you on Bill Murray in this movie. Not everyone. Um like I used to not like him when I was younger, and then I kind of realized, okay, he's acting like an asshole. And he might be an asshole in real life, but I mean he's <laughs> he's acting that way. It's like Vinkman. He's acting that way, and he's not supposed to be the funny he's supposed to be the jerk of the group. So yeah. uh, I guess I just don't like that brand. Yeah, no, I understand. Yeah, yeah. Like, like the worst part of Zombieland is the 10 minutes he's in. Okay, I agree with you on that. Yeah, like that. that is a waste of screen time in a except, fantastic movie. Except for when he said he saw Eddie Van Halen at the Hollywood Bowl. And he's like, oh, at a concert? No, he's a zombie. I thought that was good. <laughs> that, yeah, that was funny. I thought that was delivered very, uh, very well, but. Um, no, uh, yeah, I, I heard that there was this amazing cameo, the cameo to end all cameos, and I, I <laughs> avoided all the spoilers, and when I saw it, I was like, oh my god, it's about to happen, and then I was like, uh, okay, I wish they would have went a little bigger. Yeah, yeah. Because um, it's a comedy movie. You would expect to see a comedian, I don't know. Right, right. Like, like if you go into Zombieland thinking, hey, there's going to be a great cameo, you expect somebody like Tom Cruise in uh, Tropic Thunder. Yeah. Or like, what if like Obama was in it or something? (laughs) Yes, the actual president shows up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, like I cannot believe this. Like, yeah, he was the president at the time. Or just, you know, somebody that like, okay, what what's going on here? I think that makes a good cameo. Or and I also like director cameos or mm-hmm. producer cameos when they're just uh like one of my favorites is uh William Peter Blatty in The Exorcist. He wrote it, but he's complaining about the script of the movie that they're filming in, in the movie. That's and oh, that's great. It's cool. It's, and it's just a quick little like half a second shot of him saying, oh, that's not going to work, or I'm going to be working on this all day. Okay, whatever. Like it's, And that's what a cameo is. It's real quick. Yeah, yeah. Not not 10 minutes, not a pivotal plot point. 
Yeah, yeah. And I feel like they, they... Murray, actually. The more I think about it, but his characters in the Wes Anderson movies are that way. Like Rushmore, mm-hmm. he's a complete ass. Um mm-hmm. Royal Tenenbaum, same thing. He's real subdued. Um, and then um Steve Zissou, he's an ass. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, like, I, yeah, I'm not really soured on Wes Anderson movies. Because uh, I, I watched a few of them this year, and he definitely has a style that I kind of dig. Yes. But after watching this, I was like, oh, okay, all right. Uh, so, 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 so maybe I've seen the best. I haven't seen the best because I, I hear the best two are Rushmore and um, the Royal Tenenbaums. Oh, I thought you've seen that one. The Royal Tenenbaums <laughs> is really good, dude. Uh, no, well, no, I watched it. I watched it when I was working at the video store in my teens, okay. and I hated it. But yeah. I was an, an asshole teenager, so I uh, th- th- that guy didn't have an opinion. Yeah. Um, let's skip a bunch of these. Um, okay. And before we get to the horror stuff, because we do need to touch on that. Uh, but Twelve Angry Men is one of the most important films I've ever seen. Oh, dude, it's so good. I knew it was good going into it, but watching it, it's super old, and I was still glued to the screen. It's fantastic. Uh, same thing with that other movie that guy is in on the waterfront on the waterfront. Fucking fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're talking about, uh, Fonda. No, no. Uh, uh, oh gosh. He's, he's like a, a character actor from the fifties. Lee J Cobb. Lee J Cobb. Another exorcist reference. Mm hmm. He, um, um, He's excellent. Um, he died almost right after The Exorcist, too. Yeah. Um, but, uh, dude, there are so many good people. E.G. Marshall is good in it. Um, Henry Fonda's good. Yep. I thought there was someone else. Who am I missing? I guess he wasn't in it. Um, Ed Bagley. <laughs> Ed Bagley Sr. But, no, um, no, really good. Yeah, like that's one of those films that you, if 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 you're teaching films like film school, you should you should make sure your students watch Twelve Angry Men, without a doubt. And this is another example of where I saw the movie before I saw the movie. Um, I saw Jury Duty with Pauly Shore. Oh no! Dude, oh he, no! Here's the thing, though. That was still, a, I mean, that was a pretty good adaptation of it. Um, it, it had the weasel in it, but it was uh, like, and when I saw that, I was like, I like this idea of one person holding up a jury, and I'm gonna, um, in it, and I saw the actual movie a couple of weeks after that. So, thank you, Pauly Shore. Wow, wow. Uh, let's let's get to some of these uh, the horror movies that you sent over to me. So, uh, The Haunting. Okay. Starting with the classics. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you sent me The Haunting, and uh, I really, really enjoyed The Haunting, except for that one actress. Yeah. <laughs> she is unbearable throughout most of the film. I cannot remember her name, but she was she was the blonde. Yeah. Yeah. When you say the actress in The Haunting, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> uh, 
what is what is your opinion? Why did you send this to me? Because um, I I kind of wanted it to be a curveball because mm-hmm. um, you would see like oh my gosh this movie's like so old, but um, and like they did the Haunting of Hill House and they did um they did the actual remake in the early two thousands or late nineties, but I think it's one of the better um scary movies and i think it still holds up and it shows you don't have to have like blood and guts and uh jump scares um that's true that's true um i don't know I don't, it, like I, I i would stop short of saying that it's that it holds up uh, it, it is kind of hard to watch uh and not just because it's old it, it just it the, the pacing isn't great and that's, I mean, that's the early 60s. Uh, and not just the early 60s. Like, um, it is a long movie for the 60s, too, because I think it's around two hours. But um, movies in the 60s, they just didn't, um, I don't think they were quite there yet. Like, I, I really feel like movies got great in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. And, I mean, there's some really good movies. Or, or 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 maybe horror movies got great in the seventies. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I guess uh, great depends on uh, what your definition of the term is. A subjective, but um, well, in horror movies, like they were out, but this was a little different than um, like your creature features and your gimmicky movies. A lot of horror movies were, um, you know, they they weren't quite like this one. Um, yeah. And I don't know. I just I think it does well with what it has, honestly. <laughs> uh, now, the the next two horror movies on the list, I enjoyed a lot. Dude, when you told me I was batting a thousand, I was like, what? I cannot believe this. Yeah. Yeah. Like Fright Night is great. It's so good. It's so, so good. It, like it's it's so good I was pissed off I had never seen it before. Did, do you remember seeing the um the VHS cover? Yeah. And that's that was the first thing that like hooked me. I, I think one of the first things that kind of hooked me to horror, like, dude, this looks crazy. I don't know what this is, but I want to see it. Um and then when I saw it, it actually lived up to it. It was kind of um forbidden too for me to watch it mm-hmm. when I was younger. And I mean, it's so good. Directed by Tom Holland, not Spider-Man, but uh, <laughs> Tom Holland's a really good director. Uh, he did the uh, child's first Child's Play movie and uh, some other stuff. He did a movie called Class of 1984 with um, <laughs> Michael J. Fox, but he's in a supporting role. That movie is wild, but <laughs> but yeah, like uh, this movie was not scared to be funny. Say that again. This movie was not scared to be funny. Yeah. You know, it 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 under it, it kind of understands the horror genre to the point that it leaned into the cheesy in a way I I haven't seen in a very long time if ever. So, yeah, Fright Night's a banger, man. Yeah, and I love Peter Vincent. That character is so good. Um like the character of Charlie, I don't really think is that great. I mean, he's he, he's he's a decent lead, but when you throw Peter Vincent in there and then he gets on board, 
Mm-hmm. But he's just, he's just like a pathetic actor. He's not really a vampire hunter. He just knows what he knows from the movies. And it yeah. works. Yeah, yeah. And and Roddy McDowell did a fantastic job job playing him. Yeah. I, oh, he really did. Um, I, I just, I really, and, and the main vampire is really good. Like, uh, oh gosh, I forget his name now. But he's played by Chris Sarandon. Um, uh, Jerry Dandridge is the character's name. So he's got like this. Oh, yeah. Name. And uh, and it's got all the tropes in there. Like he has to be invited into the house, but the mother does it. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I don't it just it's Tom Holland is a writer. And you can tell like because this the story is really tight. Like I just it, yes, I it like, really is. I liked it when I was younger, but I didn't really realize, like, oh, yeah, like, this has, like, callbacks, and it's got beats that it hits perfectly, and it, it's just a fun 80s horror movie. Yeah, yeah, that I don't think gets enough attention, because outside of seeing the, the VHS cover, you know, back in the, the video store, and you telling me, hey, watch this, I don't think anyone has ever said, hey, Fright Night's awesome. Yeah, and it it is, and Fright Night Two is not. Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> at all. But they wanted to make Fright Night a uh, like a uh, you know Friday the Thirteenth type thing with all these sequels. There are only two Fright Night movies and a remake with Colin Farrell as Jerry Dandridge, oh, and no. it's not bad. Um, oh, okay. It's it's not good, um, but it's it's not um, it's one of the better remakes. Um, but this is such a, I don't know. I feel like this is almost like a lightning in the bottle type movie. Like it could only come out in the eighties. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, like we don't really have horror hosts anymore. Yeah. Like, I don't even, I don't even know if I knew a horror host when I first saw the movie. So like, I don't know. I think it's, it's a cool movie. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I loved it. I loved it. Another one that I loved despite it being real wacky is a uh, creep show. Dude, I'm so excited to hear that. I think that's the best horror anthology movie. Uh, you know, having not seen very many of those, I can't say that definitively, but if everything is <coughs> like worse than this, I don't want to watch them. There's a creep show too, that has some parts that are okay, like on the level of creep show, but yeah, there's not a lot that touch, touch creep show yeah yeah like like that the, that third segment with uh leslie nielsen yeah yeah is is perfect i i love it so much ted danson is perfect in it leslie nielsen is perfect in it yeah it's, it's yeah and you know i didn't realize this but leslie nielsen was up to a certain point um he was always a bad guy like he really was, always um and uh, or he was played as like the handsome lead when he was younger um he didn't do the whole the spoof thing until airplane that's wild and then um that was supposed to i think it was supposed to be a one-off and then um you know he did the naked gun movies Mm -hmm. and then after that that's all he did was spoof stuff yeah yeah just uh, as as I look through the list of the the, the 
like the individual shorts in this movie, each one I'm like, oh yeah, that one. Oh yeah, that one. Like the one where Stephen King is acting and he's playing this dude who has like plants growing out of his body. Yeah. Whose name is Jordy in the <laughs> like it's so wild man it is and it's uh like let's be real he was probably coked out of his mind then and i the, hope so yeah and the fact that he uh like i heard a story that stephen king wrote a book one time and didn't remember it like because he was doing so much uh had so many substances in his body that's wild to me but um, <laughs> but um, he uh, he was trying to direct that and uh, at that point and he decided to um, write and act this movie. That was kind of his way, you know, to to become a director. Um, and he he did that whole segment essentially by himself, you know, under the direction of George Romero. But he wrote it for himself and uh, acted it. Um, I mean. You know, it's silly. It's not it's not great, but I think it's good for what that I mean, it's entertaining. It's it's absolutely entertaining there. I, I think every single segment in this in uh, creep show is good. I'm looking through them just to make sure. Um, yeah, even like the, the wraparound with uh, Tom Atkins being mm-hmm. a bad thing. That's good. Um, yeah. The Father's Day with Ed Harris dancing. It's good. <laughs> Yeah, all all of them are just again. This is another one that I had heard of. I knew it existed, but no one had ever taken the time to say, "Hey, watch this. It's really good." And you did that, and it, I'm, I'm glad I'm, you liked it. I'm so glad. But uh, we'll go through all of them real quick. What did you think of the crate? Oh, the crate. Yeah, like, that one was funny because, like, if I remember correctly, the beast was, of course, all practical effects. Yes. And it, <laughs> it, it, I almost wanted it to win. Yeah. Yeah. Like keep eating people. Just keep, keep fucking them up. Like, please. It's, it's too funny. And then E.G. Marshall from, uh, uh, 12 Angry Men shows up in the last segment with all the roaches and that's good. Yep. Yep. And that one was hard to watch because of how I feel about roaches, but yeah. But yeah, yeah, that one was fantastic as well. And and what's great about this is all of these have different types of fears in them. And um, it it just shows like this is honestly like um, this is what, what I think is like what the best like 80s horror had to offer because it had George Romero directing, mm-hmm. uh, Stephen King writing and uh, Tom Savini doing the actual effects, the practical effects. Um, just like just home run honestly and something that would be hard to um recreate there's there's actually a creep show series out now and some of the segments are decent but they're decent because they're uh you know reminiscent of of this movie uh they just don't hold a candle to it and this movie is yeah I don't know. I don't know if I would say watch any other horror anthologies, although I see one coming up in a little while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll get to that one in a second. They Live is great. I don't I don't know if I have much to, to say about it. Uh, it's awesome. That fight scene is awesome. Uh, the chewing bubble gum and kicking ass scene. Yeah, 
Yeah. The anti-capitalist message. I don't like how the movie just ends. Though. Yeah, that that was a bummer. Uh, but but you know, I'd heard you know my whole life. Oh, they live is so cool, and but I had no clue what it was what it was about. And now you know when he puts on the sunglasses and he sees all the signs change and whatnot, like. There have been so many times that I've seen like obey written on something and not understood what the reference was. Yeah. And now I'm like, oh, okay, I get that. I get that. Yeah, and I like how the money had this as your god on it. <laughs> yes. It, 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 and what's cool about that is like that was uh like that was another artist like um uh John Carpenter he wrote that too um. You can tell he is like fed up with Los Angeles and Hollywood. He's just fed up, and he is a uh, he's just making like an fu movie. Yeah, Cause, yeah. Because like the good people, the good guys in the movie are are like the homeless people, the ones that are seen as trash. Mm-hmm. And um, it's I don't know. I think it's just it holds up, but I just wish it ended stronger. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I do like the heavy-handed anti-capitalist rhetoric, though. Like it's 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 palpable throughout the movie. I love it. We need to get Reed to watch it. <laughs> uh, I'd seen Pet Cemetery before, but I watched it again because it has been like fifteen years, and uh, that movie holds up. It's so creepy, man. There's there's so much happening in that movie too. That's um, just that. I saw it a couple of years ago and I was thinking, oh, wow, I forgot that part. Or I didn't understand, you know, this reference. But like the fact that the maid killed herself, I forgot that. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's that's a well done scene. And it's like, oh, my God, I feel so creepy. What? And they hold on her on her, you know, swinging a little too long. It's like uncomfortable. <laughs> and you want to hear something insane? I think this is maybe one of the most insane, insane things ever with horror movies. Um, so this movie was directed by, uh, I believe her name's Mary Harmon. And um, uh, Wikipedia says Mary Lambert. You're correct. And they're yep. correct. Lambert. So uh, she um, she directed this, uh, consulted with Stephen King. Stephen King has a good cameo in this. He's a pre, uh, he's a preacher at a funeral. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he just liked the acting, but, uh, but um, a couple of years later, I want to say maybe three years later, not very long, she directed Pet Cemetery too, and it is, it's like it misses everything that Pet Cemetery got right. It's oh, unbelievable. Really? Yes. It's so it's I would almost I should have su- uh, suggested that as a double feature just to talk about that. But it is it's not it's not good at all. But <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. Like this is a movie that the same director did. Like she did everything the opposite of what she did in the first one. So wow. it's it's I don't know. It's it's strange. Like, um, I don't know. It's it's just weird. Oh, I want to mention uh, Judd. Judd is like borderline iconic, especially with uh, South Park taking him on. Oh yes, Judd Crandall. Judd Crandall, um, played by uh, uh, Mr. Herman Munster. 
Yeah. yeah. And uh, he's he's so good in that. He's he was also in on the waterfront on the waterfront. He was a he was like a like a background thug. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It was it's, it's it's when I was watching it, I actually picked him out. I was like, that's that's Herman Munster. That's so but cool. It, yeah, yeah. It's cool. It's cool. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, I'd seen the Evil Dead two before, but again, I watched that one again because it's been a long time, and I I don't like Evil Dead two as much as I like the first one. Oh, okay. Um, I feel like the the first one, the first one feels a bit more like popsicles and 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 popsicle sticks, or yeah, popsicle sticks and 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 bubble gum are holding it together, and, and it was sure. yeah, and and th- that makes it have a bit more uh, charm for me. The the Evil Dead Two feels like trying to double down on the the reckless nature of the first one. And while good, it just it just doesn't it doesn't hit me as hard as the first one does. Man, yeah, I understand. And we were just talking about the uh, Pet Cemetery sequel, um, and Evil Dead Two is very similar. It's almost a remake, uh, <laughs> yeah, bigger budget remake. And then it kind of goes off the rails too. I mean, it has like a headless corpse dancing scene in it, and. Um, but there are some, and it's got like, I love that scene where Bruce Campbell goes crazy and like the, uh, deer head starts laughing at him and all the books start moving. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I like it, man. It's one of my favorite movies. But, yeah. I, 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 like I do love the anything goes nature of it. Yeah. And just behind the scenes, they filmed it at a high school during the summer, like in a gym. And I, oh, I always wow. thought that was so cool. Like and that was like the rule. Like you got to get all the blood up. You got to get everything up before we start. <laughs> oh, and and what's cool is uh, in the uh, Charlotte airport they have all these posters of movies that were filmed at Charlotte. So or in uh, North Carolina. So you have uh, you know you have like some Andy Griffith stuff and uh, you know like all the like Kevin Costner movies and like all these heartwarming movies that like take place. Uh, on a beautiful mountainside area. And then you got this skull with an eyeball. <laughs> looking at you. And I'm like, that's how you rep it. That's, that's how yep. you represent that movie. But yeah. Okay. Well, so we're doing pretty good on these horror suggestions. Mm-hmm. The thing I had never seen the thing. I love the thing. Like the, 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 the scene with the blood in the, uh, the little plate and they're, yep electrifying it to see who who is the thing and who isn't is the most tense moment I saw all year. It's just another masterful John Carpenter movie. I think yeah. it's his best movie. I've, I don't think I've seen enough to, to, to say that, but it's great. Like it's absolutely great. And I, I love it. I don't know if you've seen the original, like from the fifties, it's, it's okay. I mean, it's, you know, you have to watch those movies a little differently, but it, it for what it is, it's really good. Um, but man, um, this one like really gets the whole isolation thing down. Like you're in the middle of nowhere. It is a desperate situation. And mm-hmm. then you have this thing and uh, the dog scene is crazy. All practical effects, too. Yeah. Yeah. All the practical effects were amazing. 
uh, Wilford Brimley pre mustache, pre diabetes. <laughs> All the characters are good in it. Um, mm-hmm. It's not like they're just fodder. Um, like everyone has some kind of personality, and you you kind of feel it when some of them uh, die. And the last scene is good. Keith David also was in They Live. Um, yep. He's so good in both of those movies, but I don't know. I think I like him a little more in The Thing. Oh, I agree. I agree. Uh, let's keep it rolling. Uh, the Mist. I didn't expect much out of The Mist. <laughs> and if you can get past the shitty CG in The Mist, uh-huh. there's, a, there's a fantastic movie beneath there. There is. Um, Marsha Gay Harden is uh, really good. I, I like that she's the villain. You have all these monsters, but she's the villain. Mm-hmm. That's so good. And um, I like that you don't see a lot of them. You see just enough. <laughs> to know that they don't, <laughs> that they haven't figured out CG yet. <laughs> yes. Uh, the, this movie lives and dies, pun intended, by the last scene. Oh, for sure. Like, for sure. Those characters shooting themselves in the, spoiler, I guess, um, shooting themselves in the car only for the caravan to pass them moments later. My, to pass their dead bodies except for the main guy. Yeah, yeah. Like, my heart sunk into my asshole. Yeah. Um, another uh, Stephen King adaptation from uh, from Frank Darabont. Mm-hmm. It's, he uses a lot of the Walking Dead actors in it. He does, yep. And... Um, the, uh, from when the show was really good, honestly, <laughs> um, when he had in when he had uh, control of it, um, I don't know who did the effects on that movie, but it was um, yeah, you're right about it living and dying on the uh, the effects are pretty important, mm-hmm. but um, that ending, the, yeah, that ending, man, when it came out, and uh, a lot of people. Uh, not, you know, what's a lot, but a few people actually booed at the screen afterwards. Fuck that, man. That's exactly what I want to see in movies. Yeah. Bold, bold endings or bold decisions that you would not expect to see on screen. Yeah. And you will get that in horror movies sometimes. I think that's and I mean, you can get it in other genres, too, for sure. But um, something. Yeah, something like a horror movie will straight up be like. Okay, you've been following these people for 90 minutes and you really like them. We're about to kill them. The world sucks. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, let's let's keep it moving. We're we're running long. Um, Trick or Treat. I hated that movie. Another horror anthology. This one has a lot of uh, like in the horror community, it's um, got a lot of praise. Um, it, it is yeah, not a good show though. When you told me that, I was very surprised. I was like, really? Like the only real, like of the the anthology of the of the you know shorts that I liked was the one I think in the middle with the the all of the the women who are like witches. And see, that's my least favorite one. I I like the one about the kids. Ah, uh, yeah, no, I I didn't really like any of the other ones. Maybe it's, I was in a mood that day. I don't know. The it's just hard, like like with Fright Night, like it's lightning in the bottle. 
um, or in a bottle, and um, like Creepshow just captured something. And it's so hard to recapture that. I do like how um, all the stories are intertwined. I think that's really cool. But, and it gives it a little rewatch value, but it's a little predictable. What's that last thing you said? It's it's predictable. It is predictable. And you're right. I, I did appreciate how they uh, weaved in and out of each other. Yeah. And I like that. I mean, it, it does look very Halloween-y, but it looks spirit Halloween-y. You know what I mean? It doesn't. <laughs> it, it looks like a, I don't know. It just doesn't capture Halloween. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Okay, this is a guilty pleasure of mine. I'm, gl- I'm glad it's that, because it's definitely not a good film. Dude, I, I, I'm just a sucker for Tom Atkins slapping nurses on the ass, drinking <laughs> drinking beer while he's being a doctor. <laughs> and, like, hooking up with girls that he's, like, half his age and trying to, uh, like, her dad just died. <laughs> And he's hooking up with it. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Uh, Connell Cochran is cool, though. But you don't... That's that's a big complaint I have it, about it. Is It's okay to be ridiculous, but... And and you have to have a really over-the-top actor, a good actor acting over-the-top, and I think they have that with him. But mm-hmm. they produced him like an hour into the movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's cheesy, dude. I, listen. It's really cheesy. It... I, I felt like it never got to the point it was trying to make. Oh no, it um, yeah, it 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 didn't. Um, a lot of John Carpenter movies, he doesn't do a lot of sequels, and he didn't do this one. He had a little control over it, like um, I think he did the music for it and like consulted a little, but um, it just I don't know. He he didn't. He was like the brains behind that. It would be like making a sequel to the thing without him. Like it, you would notice it. Yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah. That, that that was the first one where I was like, uh, "Trick or Treat" and Halloween Three are the ones where I was like, "Ah, that." Jordy said he sent me bad movies, so. Yeah, I just front loaded with decent ones. Yeah, yeah. I just happened to watch the good ones first. Um, speaking of a good movie, Rosemary's Baby was great. I'm so glad you liked it because it's of very long. I, it's I feel long, like they could they could have trimmed about 15 minutes out of it, but it's all worth it when that last scene happens. For sure, for sure. Um, and I love the paranoia throughout the entire movie. Mm-hmm. And her friend that um you know ends up having a heart attack or something. I forget how. He's he's obviously murdered. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm glad that they didn't show that he was murdered. Yeah, yeah. Um, what? because her friend was murdered, or I don't know. You you didn't even see that. You saw the aftermath. That's what's good about it too. Is like you're thinking she's crazy. Like this, like these things. These these old people. They're not doing anything. They don't have anything to do with this. Yeah, like it. This it it treads in the same water as Rear Window. Yeah, that's Where, a good comparison. Yeah, like you're you're as confused as to what is real and what is fake as the characters on screen until yeah. that last moment, and you realize, oh shit, Rosemary's gonna raise a demon baby. 
Yeah, and like uh, you know, the night that she gets drunk or whatever, uh, and then she has that dream. You think, okay, that's just a dream, but no, we find out no, it wasn't. and and like and it's it's really cool to watch it again because like her husband like he's not a good actor and then all these um like prominent roles start falling in place so it's like when and then they move to this beautiful um building um in new york yeah 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 like like, knowing knowing in advance falling into place and and they're just completely like They've got their they got their teeth into him first, but Rosemary was harder to get. And then what got her at the end was like her actual love for the child. The devil. The devil, baby. I loved that. I loved it. I loved it. Like just slack jawed wonder as that last scene was happening. Yeah, it's. And I know um, rightfully so. Uh, Roman Polanski gets a lot of a lot of shit. Um that's true. <laughs> he should. I mean, he yeah. <laughs> Fuck that guy. But that is a good ass movie. Yep. And he yep. he's directed a couple other really good movies. I don't know if he's uh, done anything better than this. Let's see. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh yes, I can't wait to hear this. I this. I was just expecting Texas Chainsaw Massacre to be another. Slasher, you know, it's like, oh, it's it's just another Nightmare on Elm Street or another Friday the 13th. This move, this one is very, very unsettling. Yes. Like on purpose. They, they, they spend a lot of time focusing on the family and how sick and twisted the family is. And see, like seeing still images of well, what's the, the main guy's name leatherface yeah like after watching the movie seeing still still images of him running with the chainsaw from that film it, like it makes me uneasy yeah um a lot of that movie um it's it's just such it's almost an enigma because i don't think there's a, there's a lot of texas chainsaw movies and I like the second one. It was also directed by the same director. So going back on that theme, but he intentionally wanted to make a comedy. <laughs> he wanted to make Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the comedy. And he used a lot of the same actors from the first movie <laughs> from the family. Uh, and it's, it's not terrible. I just did. I was like, I don't want to put this on Sergio yet. Cause he might be like, Dude, what <laughs> the hell? But, um, that was on purpose. Um, uh, I think that this first one, they um, were just a bunch of like literal kids, like in their 20s from Austin, and they just wanted to make a movie. Uh, they didn't really have like a budget for blood, so a lot of the blood you see, especially on the main girl, is her blood. Like, there's parts where she like is running and she runs through like some, you know, um, some brush and it cuts her. Like that's her blood. Some of that is her blood. Um, wow. I think they they filmed for like, I want to say six weeks in a house in Texas. I don't think it had um, air conditioning. And um, they had that van. They had a van and another van, I think. And that was like the trailers that they would. Um, they had oh. the main van. 
And so, like, the smell was terrible. Um, the guy that played Leatherface was getting pissed off at the end because he was having to wear all that stuff. They they shot, like, I want to say, like, 20 hours a day some days and nights, you know, long nights. Um, wow. It's a movie that just cannot be made today. And that's always what I tell people about it. Like, dude, this movie cannot be made. Like, there's no way you could do that. And, I mean, like, I kind of joke, but I'm kind of serious. Like, you would have, like, legitimate charges to file on the directors for making this today. <laughs> like, legitimate charges. Um, it's definitely not safe. Like, the bones in that movie are real bones. Like, I'm not saying, like, the human skeletons are real, but, like, the chicken bones in the house, those are real chicken bones. Yeah, yeah, man. It, it is unsettling, and it, it's shot on 16 millimeter and blown up to 35. They made that decision, or they it wasn't going cheap. They wanted to do that um, because they wanted it to look like a documentary, and it kind of does. It looks like it was made by a crazy person. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a it's a fascinating film to watch, whether you like horror or not. Yeah, I I really do think uh, okay. <laughs> Bear with me here. I think it's uh, a movie that you have to watch. Is like this is an American film. Like for better or for worse, it's you know like you have the glitz and glamour. You have like the Citizen Kane. That's an American film, and The Godfather, um, and all these big budget movies. But you also have this thing that shows that anyone can make a movie, and I really I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how much more? T- how much t- time do we have with you? Because I still have a couple I want to go over. Okay, I've got uh, till we finish. Because <laughs> my favorite movie of all time is on this list. But then l- let's to- let's talk about it then. Okay, so uh, Free Guy. Oh my gosh! Shut I- <laughs> <laughs> Free Guy was good. It was it was charming. It was it was Ryan Reynolds being Ryan Reynolds. He is so good at that. He's yeah. he's an actor that plays himself a lot. Yeah. But. I'm okay with that because I like him. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh yeah, The Exorcist is definitely my favorite movie. Not just because it's a horror movie. I just I really like The Exorcist. And um it's got good acting, like top notch acting, uh great writing, great mm-hmm. editing, great sound. I mean it's it's honestly like I think it's the best movie I've ever seen. But, the Exorcist, it was it, it surprised me in a lot of ways. Uh, one, I guess I didn't realize that it was actually about the Exorcist, mm-hmm. which is that's a really dumb thing to say. But, you know, I, I was thinking it was more about just, you know, the the child getting haunted. But no, it's it's actually about the the the, the practice of exorcism, you know. Yes. And it's it's not filmed like a horror movie. No, it's filmed like a drama. Like it's it's filmed like it's supposed to be taken seriously. I'd see that was on purpose. The the writer had a lot of say in the production of the movie, and he wanted to get William Friedkin to direct because he had a documentary background. Um, you know, kind of like uh, you know, this was before Texas Chainsaw, but. They they realized, you know, sometimes the real world is scarier than any fantastical thing. So, yeah. like, th- those scenes in the hospital when they're doing all the tests on her, like, mm-hmm. that is crazy. That is that is a really hard part to watch. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I was I was impressed and very surprised because because yet again, you know, I've been hearing so much about, oh, The Exorcist, one of the greatest movies ever made. You should watch it. You should watch it. And I came into it thinking it was just another horror movie. And, and see, that's where all the copycats, that's where they get it wrong, because they don't focus on the characters. They don't mm-hmm. focus on um, like the stress that, OK, if if we admit to this, we're having to admit um, all sorts of things. And um, like the the mother is an atheist. So her actually going to a priest for help is like it's crazy that she would do that. It's it's that would be the last thing that a person like that would ever do. So that tells you how bad it is. And then the priest is uh, you have two priests. One has actually seen something like that before. And the other is losing his faith. And for good reason. Um, They don't mention it in there um, in the movie. But in the novel, he's like he's a Harvard trained psychologist or psychiatrist. But he was called into religion. And, you know, they do show this with his mom. His mom kind of suffers. Like she she doesn't have a good life. Mm hmm. And she is uh, kind of poor, and she ends up dying almost in a uh, um, a very very arcane uh, assisted living um, facility. So it's and that's exploited by by the demon, and the demon just is is really is rough. But I don't know. Like to me, the like one of the scariest parts of the movie is when um when she's first possessed. And she's ta- she meets the the priest for the first time, and and she's just having a con- sorry she's just having a conversation with him, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like this is not this little girl we've seen for so long, and and the ending is good, and Arlie Cobb is good. It's just I don't know, man. I can I honestly can talk forever about it. I I really love it. <laughs> there's there's times when I watch it and I'm thinking, okay, it's not as good as I say it is. And um, it's yeah, it's it's old and it's dated, and it it has a jump scare in it that I don't like. But <laughs> but um, then I watch it again and I'm like, oh, okay, this is like this is like a divine work of art. So I'm 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 not gonna say you'll go to that level, but um, <laughs> I, I do. Um, I think it's a great American. I think it's like the opposite of the Texas Chainsaw, like. It's an American film on this grand scale. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and they had to, there's so many cool things about the movie. They they actually had to uh they had to build like a refrigerated set, and um. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because because you had to see the. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and and the like breath. movies. Yeah, movies. This these days, and when I say these day, days, I mean anything that has copied The Exorcist. So movies all the way from 1974 um, <laughs> uh, to present day, they always get that wrong. That that's not what makes The Exorcist great. It's not the effects. It's not, and, and the effects are good. And Linda Blair looks scary as hell. But um, I don't know, man. I can just gush about it. But Free Guy was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Um, there's a few on here that I want to just touch on, uh, the, the cabin in the woods. Okay. Was surprisingly good. I, I, I I was told to watch it by Reed 
and uh, I didn't know that it was going to be so funny. Yeah. Like it's it, like the the conceit of there being you know this this these these demons that they have to you know sacrifice people to like all of that is like the lead is kind of buried pretty deep in that movie because there's there's two different stories happening you know that they're combined you're not quite sure what's going on then they make it obvious what's going on and then by the end the, the end of the movie is well we're just gonna, going to ruin it for everyone yeah like it's it's such a cool movie it is um i don't love that one like a lot of people do but um i hated it when i first saw it really I Yes, I thought it was like a big F you to uh, to horror, but um, there are some things I like about it. I see. I I would actually say it's kind of the opposite of that. Like it. It keeps a lot of horror tropes in place. But doesn't insult the audience by making you assume that shit is is supernatural. Yeah. You know, it. it it, it it lets you behind the curtain in a way that most horror movies don't do. Yeah, and I did like that there was a whole production. I, I, and um, Bradley Whitford and Richard Jenkins are really good in their roles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's got a little lost. Let's see. There will be blood. Good. <laughs> I've never seen that. That movie's fantastic. Uh, the scene. It's a weird be- title though. Yeah. Like a horror movie title. Yeah, yeah, but you or know, a fighting movie or... like 15 minutes into it, you see why it's named that because yeah, yeah. But when what's Daniel Day Lewis beats that guy to death with a bowling pin? Yeah. Fuck man, that's a scene. After he like beats his soul down. Yeah. Like he he destroys him with his words, and then he just finishes the job. Yeah, yeah. Good actor, great great acting in um from just about everyone. Even the kid does a great job. Mhm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, agreed, agreed. Uh Walk the Line's good. Yeah. Ray Ray is good. Uh I would say Walk the Line's better. Uh, I agree. Not, not not really a fan of the uh like Ray had weird pacing. It's been so long since I've seen Ray. I I thought it was I thought it was a movie when I saw it. I was like, I think this is embellished. I think this is bullshit. It's it's well, it's probably you know embellished significantly. Yeah. But like when you sit down to watch that movie, it's zero to sixty in like five minutes. Yes. And yes. Oh my gosh. I like the way it starts off with what you say. Um. But then he's like a kid, like you said, for just a few minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Cube 2. Have you seen Cube? I have, I've seen Cube, but I didn't realize there was a Cube 2. Yeah, there's a Cube 2. They should have uh, called it Cubed and make you wonder cube, if you missed cubed. the second one. Uh, cube 2, it's not as good as the first one. The, the first one has a, has a real, like, just, just chef kiss B-movie quality to it. Yeah. Cube 2... It feels like it wants to be a big budget movie with really bad actors. Like they're, they're basically punching above their weight class. Yeah. And it yeah. fails to, it, it fails to have the same charm as the original. Does it have a lot of effects in it? It does. Well, I wouldn't, a lot isn't the right word. Okay. 
but it, but it, it has more like, than is that it reliant on those effects. Not really. Okay. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's still very much uh, uh, like a character driven movie. But not it, with the best actors. Yeah, the, the characters aren't as well defined. The actors aren't as good. And the ending is not as ridiculous as the first movie. They actually try to explain what this whole cube phenomenon is at the end of it. And they kind of leave it on a cliffhanger. Kind of like it's worth watching if you liked the first movie, because it's 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 the next evolution of that concept. Yeah, but it's not it's not very good. Another reason I love The Exorcist, it it does not do that sequel bullshit. It ends. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's a contained story. I'm sorry. I won't talk about it anymore. No, you're good. You're good. I kind of want to go back, though, because okay. I didn't know this was a thing either. Jay and Silent, Silent Bob's super groovy cartoon movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This this oh, was. No. Oh, no. Yeah. Like technically a Kevin Smith production, but I, I'm pretty sure Jay did most of the heavy lifting on the writing and the oh, like, no. story beats. <laughs> and it's atrocious. Oh, no. Like, I love Clerks the animated series. Oh, Clerks the animated series is 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 fantastic. This the animation is bad, the story is lame, the jokes aren't funny. It's it's uh it's vulgar for the sake of being vulgar. There's unsuccessful fourth wall breaks. It's it's just a mess. Uh, I, I I'm not gonna lie, I kind of want to watch it now. Yeah, it's uh, it's not great. No, I hate it. Not great at all. Um. All good things must end. Yeah, well, the thing is, is this I wouldn't say this is even like in canon. Like this is just kind of a weird, goofy thing that Jay wanted to do. Okay. So, so is, is it produced by View Askew? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. But it didn't get a theatrical release. Okay, so I wanted to tell you this. Um, I really wanted to talk about this, but I was like, this is one of these deep hard cuts that I just don't know if Sergio would get. But so George Romero directed Night of the Living Dead with right. this uh, guy named John Russo, who was actually in the movie. He was the jerk guy in the movie that fought with the the main guy. OK. And, you know, he had the family, but he, he co-wrote the movie. And um, 30, 20 years later, he decided because he owned a lot of the movie, too, that he was going to um, uh, re-release a special edition of it because, you know, there was a copyright issue and anyone could release that movie. <laughs> so he was going to release an official 20th year edition and he shot scenes in black and white on a digital camera and put it in the movie. Um, what? Oh, dude, you should see these scenes that are added. You should, they're on YouTube. Now, listen, there is a scene at the end where, uh, uh, one of the guys, he's a terrible actor too. He's like a priest. He looks like Anton LaVey from the uh, the uh, the Satanic Church, <laughs> and so he's <laughs> a really weird look for 1968 uh, Pennsylvania, like as a priest. Like no way you're a, a priest in 1968. But anyway, he has this emotional support animal. <laughs> it's a Shih Tzu. So I have a Shih Tzu. That was the dog barking earlier. So I have a little of affection for that. But while I'm saying all this is it reminds me of what uh, what I'm thinking about. Like this guy just bastardized something that he created with a friend 
And I was kind of thinking that with this Jay and Silent Bob. Oh, wow. Yeah. To, to, to bring that full circle, you're absolutely right. But, but the yeah, thing is, Kevin, Kevin Smith is complicit here. Like he does the voice of Silent Bob and he's also voicing himself. Yeah. Now, so, with Romero, Romero was like, no, don't do this. <laughs> like we shot the movie. Don't add shit to it. Uh, but he's like, well, whatever. I can do it. And I'm the writer. So I'm going to write these scenes. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, that's oh, that's sad. Kevin Smith. I, I want to see it, though, before I say <laughs> reserve judgment. All right. Moving on. Sorry. The Fly. OK, very good. Um, I love The Fly. I did not okay. know that The Fly was as good as it is. That movie is a tight hour and a half and not a single minute is wasted. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's good. Um, it took me a long time to watch it, but um, when I finally did, I liked it. Yeah, and um, it holds up. It holds up. I would love to watch that in the theater today. Like that, that movie is dynamite. Yeah. Um, yeah. Goldblum is great in it. He's so good. Yeah. Um, and the acting or the directing is great. So I see you have three Cronenberg um, movies um, on here. So I want us to, uh, <laughs> I want to get the, the best one for you. I have an idea that the last one is not the best one, but. So yeah. Shivers. Oh, wait, you have four on here, right? Um, wait, yes. You do have four, okay. So I'm going to yeah. get the Cronenberg best. Uh, uh, the is, uh, is good. Crash is good. It's, it's strange, but okay, yeah. we'll talk about that once we... Yeah, well, we talked about Crash before. Um, yeah. The Fly is the best. Like, that, that's the best one. Uh, and, and as I got closer to the end of the year... I, I, or at the end of my list here, I've got, I got really desensitized to regular ass Hollywood movies. Yeah. So like the Scorch Trials and, and the Maze Runner and a fucking, uh, what else did I watch that I that just b- completely bounced off of me? Like Corpse Bride bounced off me. Uh, oh, let's see. Shit. Tron Legacy kind of bounced off of me. Yeah. Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. Like, all of these movies I'm sure are fine, but I wanted something that stuck with me, something that was real fucked up, so I just leaned really heavily into Cronenberg. Yeah, and it's it's just so different now, man. Um, He he did a movie that you didn't put on here that you should uh, watch in the future called Dead Ringers. Oh no, I did watch Dead Ringers. Yeah, we talked oh, yeah, about that. Yeah, we talked about that last time. Oh no. Okay. So, ooh. Yeah, so, so I watched like five Cronenberg movies this yeah. year. Yeah. And it's it's cool that um that he um and not just him, but a lot of these uh I hate to sound pretentious, but these auteurs, these these authors that they they could have made their movies. Like today, I know I sound old and crotchety, but like you don't really see a lot of authorship. That's what I was okay with Christopher Nolan making a big stink about Tenet. I'm like, dude, he's passionate about this. I like <laughs> that. And you know, David Lynch is uh, one of these guys that's not going to do anything digitally. Yeah. Well, like, like you say that you don't see auteur movies anymore. I'm gonna disagree. Okay. okay. Be- because you don't you don't see them in theaters anymore. Okay. 
but that's like, what I mean. I'm talking about like a twenty million dollar production, dude. That is so much money. Like you can't. It's it's so hard. Like Cronenberg could not make Crash today. He could. Yes, he could. So it 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 would go straight to Netflix. Netflix yeah. would give him twenty million dollars, and it would go straight to Netflix, and it would it would be a it would be hot shit for like nine days, and then it would disappear into the bucket that is Netflix. Yeah. You know, and and that's just where movies are now. And I hate that because there's this new Adam McKay movie coming out with all this talent in it, and I'm I was thinking, dude, nobody's going to know this movie. Um, even I know uh, the first movie we talked about today, that Charlie Kaufman movie, mm-hmm. um, it had so much hype behind it. It's nobody. You, you and I are probably the only people talking about it. Yeah, yeah. Again, it, it, it hits Netflix. Netflix promotes it for a week and a half because a week and a half later they have 20 more movies coming out. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, is fine. These movies exist, and I'm glad that they exist. It's it's just when it comes to widespread notoriety, like your average fucker walking down the street is just going to watch Back to the Future 20 times, and he's not going to yeah. see these movies – that are buried under the next the, the, the Netflix queue. And that might be cool. Um, maybe like 20 years, 30 years from now, somebody like re-earthing these Netflix movies. Like, can you believe that there was this movie with these big stars in it? Nobody talks about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's wild, man. I, 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 I don't know if I, I like the, access we're getting to movies nowadays i don't know if i like the direction that it's going yeah you know because because it was very easy for me to curate 365 movies to watch very easy yeah um but i oh i do need to mention i finally watched scarface okay what'd you think of that uh and if you told me that the first that Everything Donald Trump and his followers believe about foreign policy, they learned from the first 10 minutes of Scarface. Stop it. it. I would believe you. Yes, dude. That is it. Yeah, that is it. Uh, As as for the movie. Cuba uh, is a terrible place. They bring in drug dealers. Yeah, yeah. Like it's and and this movie's not new. This movie's 50 years old or 40 years old now. Oh, my gosh. You're right. That's crazy. Uh. And 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 just just the just the Tony Montana's character is supposed to be a cautionary tale. Yes. But I feel like what has been taken from that movie is don't ever back down. You're never wrong. All of your decisions will only work out for the best. You just have to know when to stop. I remember I had a conversation with a random black guy and I want to say it was like around ninety nine or early 2000s and he was wearing a Scarface shirt and he was telling me how much he he liked it and everything and thought you know that's that's how I want to be and I was like you know he dies in it right like he ruins <laughs> his life and, um and and we were talking to and and after that like I I started to see that a lot and, and like the hip hop culture really like um like adopted Scarface, and I'm thinking mm-hmm. you guys are getting the wrong message from this. Like he dies at the end, and he, you know he's in the pool with the big globe that says the world is yours. Like yeah. that's that is like 
symbolism on the screen pretty much being spoon-fed to you. The world is yours, but you're dead right now because of your uh, decisions. And so is the world really yours? You know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just a selective memory about what that movie's about. Although I do like the scene of him doing all the coke. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, Pacino is great in it, but his his Cuban accent goes in uh, and out like bad bunny ears, man. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I finally watched it. I'm finally I'm, I'm glad I did. And I guess the last one to talk about here is Blood Rage. Oh, I'm so glad. I didn't want to bring it up, but I wanted to see what you thought of it. Like, listen, listen, this is a lost movie. This is something I didn't even know existed until about three years ago. Really? Yes. Um, I think it was called The House That Screamed. I don't know. Uh, it, it was essentially lost, though. And um, it uh, it is found, for better or worse. Like, it's not good. And let me tell you what I think. I think it could be a great movie night. Oh, I, yes. It, yeah, it, it could be a good a good movie for movie night. Uh, but I also feel like if you take the premise – like the, the the twins who one of them killed a guy, but the other one got the blame, and you know the the good one went to to to, to you know the mental institution, and yeah. the bad one is still roaming the roaming the land. Like like that that's a solid premise. It really is. Like like a good filmmaker could take that and do something really special with it. It just this movie is not it. Oh man, this movie. To me, it's like the room of horror movies. <laughs> like this is one that I've seen a lot, and and you know I like um I like Blood Diner a lot too. But, yeah. Um, like this one is just, it's the effects, the kills are so mean. And <laughs> they are really mean. <laughs> and like just just. That uh, psychiatrist, like, she gets it so rough, but it's like, what is going on? And, but the acting is uh, crazy. I mean, it's bad. Um, but I will say the the uh, mom in it, I, I like her attitude the whole movie. <laughs> like, you could tell, like, a little behind the scenes, she and the director hated each other. They were fighting the whole time. And, wow. And um, she used to be married to Woody Allen. So, oh, wow. Uh, Pre-Mia Farrow, I believe. And, uh, well, of course, pre-Mia Farrow. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, uh, they, uh, she she was like a comedic actress. And I think she hosted Saturday Night Live. And then that was like one of the last movies she did. But it's, it's I don't know, man, it's. It's a, it's kind of a fun movie. It's, 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 it's definitely a ride, man. It's weird. It's so weird. That's, that's all I can say about it. I, I, I like, um, I do like the premise that the acting, uh, the main guy <laughs> that plays two roles. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The way they film them together. It's so awkward. <laughs> um, I, oh man, it's just it's. I'm glad you kind of got a little enjoyment out of it. Well, no, I, I did enjoy it. It's not good. 
And see, that's what's cool about horror movies. If you watch a drama that's not good, you're going to think like, okay, I, what is going on? This isn't, I'm not digging this. Um, and if it keeps that up the whole time, but I, I just think you can take horror movies a little less seriously. Yeah. When people are folded in half or their um, hands are cut off, but they're still holding on to the beer. <laughs> Well, Jordy, we're way out of time. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that we were able to take this this year long journey, and I'm even even gladder. I'm even happier that it's over. Yes, um, I'm so proud of you, dude. Like, I think this is a great accomplishment for you. Honestly, this is awesome. Uh, it's it's something I might revisit in the future. Like a few years from now, I may say, let's do it again. But. I, I filled a lot of holes. I, I watched a lot of movies that I should have watched a long time ago. And That's it was cool, fun. Man. It was fun. Like, I'd be interested. Um, like, I mean, gosh, about an hour and a half each. Like, you dedicated a lot of time to this. Like, mm-hmm. I think you are, like, straight up film critic status now. <laughs> like, you. <laughs> That's awesome that you did this. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna post the list somewhere. I don't I don't know if it's a long list, so I don't know if it'll fit just on a reality breach post. So it'll be somewhere. Uh, be on the lookout for it. I'll probably link it to this episode. And uh, let's let's just let's just take it home, Jordy. Th- thank you so much again for for joining me for these. Uh, and thanks everyone for listening to this this at this point like six hour epic of a podcast. And uh, and uh, as always, tune in next time. Get the ransom, shoot the hostage. Goodbye. Woo! Thanks for listening to Reality Breached. Be sure to check out our other great shows like the Black Pocket Podcast, Shellheads, and Dead Scene Kids, all available on realitybreached.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek. I'm your host, Clarence, and I wanted to introduce you to the podcast. Discussing Trek is all about keeping you informed on the latest news and episode reviews in the Star Trek universe while also staying engaged with our community of listeners. So be sure to hit that subscribe button for weekly content and stay locked in to DiscussingTrek.com for more information. Until next time, guys, live long and prosper.